0: chapter 15. So basically what's going to happen in this story today, uh, Jesus, he's being flawed, you know, like a lot of lost people are around him, like trying to listen to him. And then some religious people are like, yeah, oh, I would have said that differently. He could have, that verb could have been conjugated in a different way. And the, the religious people are like second guessing everything, trying to trip him up. And then Jesus tells this story that basically shows, hey, your religious people aren't really following my father. And these lost people who were trying to listen and change, they kind of are beginning to. And he flips everything on its head. So read with me Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, to hear Jesus notice. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, (laughs) uh, saying, this man, can you believe he receives these kind of people, these sinners, and he eats with them? So Jesus told them this story, this parable. What man of you, let's say you have a hundred sheep. If that shepherd lost one of the sheep, does he not leave the 99 others in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when the shepherd has found the sheep, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when the shepherd comes home, he calls all together, uh, his family and his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, rejoice with me, for I've found this knucklehead sheep that, ha- that was so lost. Just so, I tell all of you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. In verse 1, the tax collectors and the sinners were drawing near. So that's really a way of saying, like, the bad people, okay? So tax collectors, if you remember, uh, they were, like, working on behalf of Rome against their own people, okay? So they're worse than traitors. So they were taxing—they were Jewish people, taxing Jewish people on behalf of a a newly—Rome had just conquered the region. So it would be like—I've said this before, but, like, if Russia conquered Fort Worth last week— and then one of y'all came to my house and you're like, hey, Russia needs its taxes. I'm like, man, you're one of you're from here. What are you doing taxing me on behalf of Russia? It was like that, that. That's how hated, imagine how hated that person would be. And so tax collectors were the most hated people in that society. And then, so tax collectors and sinners, verse, that's kind of like a junk drawer kind of phrase, like all the other bad people. So the most hated traders and kind of all the other bad people were flocking to Jesus. They wanted to hear what he said. And so. Jesus just kind of naturally drew these kind of people in, okay? They didn't think they shouldn't be around him because he's so holy, okay? He didn't turn them away. There was just something magnetic about Jesus that attracted those people, okay? And it not it interesting that Jesus drew sinners in, but Jesus' people kind of repel people out sometimes these days? I can amen if you want. Uh, some Christians think less of themselves like, Vessels of grace to the world, and they think more of themselves more like the morality police of the world, okay, um, just like the Pharisees did in Luke chapter fifteen okay so if we 're living like Jesus, sinners are kind of comfortable around us, and they want to hear what we have to say, they want to have dinner with us, they want to be around us, and oftentimes religious people are uncomfortable around us. Interesting how that works, right and so Jesus, said, Jesus came and he said in luke five to call sinners to repentance, he came to seek and save the lost. The church is sometimes offended that he calls sinners, and the outsiders are sometimes offended that he calls for repentance. But that's what he came to do, to seek and save the lost, to call sinners to repentance. And so Jesus was approachable by sinners, okay? They flocked to hear him. And some of these religious people, all of them basically were kind of angry that Jesus was appealing to these kinds of people and that he was attracting them into their spaces. Like, what are you doing here? I can't believe you're wearing that. What are you, you know, that kind of attitude. And uh, and we see in verse 2 that these pharisees the religious leaders also came to you know in Jesus proximity but they were that they were not there to listen okay they were there to trap him to disprove him to kind of catch him on something they wanted to grab any lost power that they had lost. they they wanted it back and they were not they were not there to listen and learn and so the point of Jesus parable as we'll see today is a really strong indictment against the pharisees okay he's telling them that they didn't care about the sheep, who are his father's sheep. That they really weren't doing what, their fa- what his father wanted them to do. And that they rejoice over things that don't really make God rejoice. And they don't get happy about what makes the father happy. And so what we see in the Pharisees is, and, and in the lost people that are part of this today, how we approach Jesus the posture with which we approach Jesus kind of changes everything about our relationship with him. Notice what makes, you see in verse 2, notice what makes these religious people grumble, okay? They're upset that Jesus, quote, receives sinners and eats with them. Like, that's what they're mad about, okay? That's what they're upset about. They had lost their way. They were so far off course and out of God's kingdom that uh, that God's son shows up and they don't recognize him. They had had been steeped in generation after generation, year after year. They had been steeped in all God really wants. All God really wants is outward stuff, and he doesn't really want inward change. And so, to the point they had lived that way for so long and thought that way for so long, Jesus himself, the Son of God, shows up and they're like, get out of here. They don't even recognize him. And so, similarly today, churches lose their way and start dying when the wrong things make us mad. Churches start dying when the wrong things make us mad. Again, they were grumbling about reaching the law. So, even as a new church, okay, we're just like a little toddler walking around trying to make our way in God's kingdom. But even as a new church, we need to consider and pay attention to what makes us mad, okay? Uh, When churches get more concerned that a student has a Dr. Pepper in the worship center than that the student's there at all we got a problem. When churches are more concerned with what people are wearing or, or what may be marked on their arms, when they're more concerned about that than creating a welcoming environment for the people that God brought us, we've got a problem. What makes us mad as a church really, 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 really matters. Churches lose their way and they start dying when the wrong things make them mad. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. So somebody's public affection may not be telling the whole story. Somebody's public affection for Jesus may not tell exactly what's going on in their heart, okay? Like personally, it it doesn't make me that upset uh, when a lost person acts lost. It does make me upset when a Christian acts lost. That's another, okay, maybe we'll go there in a little while. But uh, it's it's actually a pretty, I guess I came back mad from vacation, but (laughs) it's a pretty curious evangelism strategy to despise the people you're trying to reach, You know, um, as we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, last time I was here, uh, humility and love are the foundations of the Christian life. Like that's the foundation of the Christian life, humility and love. That's what we base our character in Christ on, humility and love, humility and love. And so we reach out and we serve and we bless our city out of that humility, out of that love. So uh, we reach out to people because Jesus loves them. And because Jesus loves them, we actually love them now, okay? Um, they're, they're all made in the image of God. So every person on the planet, regardless of color or ethnicity or background or, or where they're going, whatever, even Eagles fans, okay? Jesus loves everybody in the whole world. So listen, I'm wide open to feedback, okay? I really, uh, one of my mentors always drills into me, uh, feedback is the breakfast of champions, Okay, so I'm open to feedback. You got a problem with something that we're doing? Tell me, okay? You, you got a, an idea that's going to propel us toward being Redemption City? Let's go for it. Let's reach people. Like, we we want that idea. Let's go for it. We want feedback. But if your idea revolves around grumbling uh, because we're trying to reach people, you know, what uh, time uh, this... Uh, a woman in D.L. Moody's church uh, approached him. D.L. Moody was this you know, he's one of my all-time heroes. He was a pastor a century or two ago in uh, America. A great evangelist, one of the greatest preachers uh, in American history. And so uh, one of the ladies in his church went up to him and said, you know, Pastor Moody, I don't like the way you do evangelism. And he said, oh, okay. Uh, Well, tell me, how do you do evangelism? And she said, well, I don't. And he said, well, I like the way that I do evangelism more than I like the way that you don't do evangelism. Okay? So we're not gonna do everything perfectly. Uh, I'm gonna say things in sermons I gotta apologize for. I'm going to, we're gonna try things that we're, I'm gonna to have to come back and apologize for it. In fact, those two scenarios have already happened. Okay? It's gonna happen again, I promise you. But God help us, we're gonna try everything we can so that the people in Fort Worth and the world know that Jesus loves them. We're gonna go for it. All throughout Luke, especially in this parable, we see that Jesus is, notice the words as he's approaching, he's seeking the lost, he reaches out, he goes out of his way to find lost people, okay? So now that's who we are, right? We go out of our way to invite people to church and to invite people to Jesus, to invite people to our tables, to start friendships with them, because that's who Jesus is, and we're Jesus followers. So if you're becoming more like Jesus, you find yourself seeking out and blessing Lost sheep and troublemakers. You kind of find yourself doing that. You find yourself drawing tax collectors and sinners in just kind of naturally. And therein lies the pathway to happiness, by the way. Okay. Depression began its ascent when the, when the culture started preaching to us, you do you. So get outside of yourself. Okay. Earlier, uh, Chim was up here and he, and he was praying this prayer, encouraging us, like even if we came in lonely, even if we came in these, so that's even in those situations. Even as we don't know how we're going to pay the bill. Even exactly then, that's when we reach out. First John 4, 8 says that perfect love casts out fear. Okay? So if you're fearful, if you're anxious, go love somebody. Get outside yourself, and instead of you doing you, go serve somebody else. And that fear is driven out of your heart. So Jesus hears the religious people's grumbles, and he hits them with this parable. Let's read it again in verses 4 to 7. Let's say, man, let's say he's got a hundred sheep. If he's lost one of the sheep, does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country, huh, not fenced in, and go after the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he's found the sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoices, and he throws a big party, calls all of his friends together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost, verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus is explaining his heart. He's trying to show you exactly what fires him up. He's telling these grumblers what makes his father glad. Like heaven erupts when one sinner turns to God. So Jesus creates this scenario to make his point, right? So let's say you got a, you, each of you, you got a hundred sheep and one goes missing. Okay. One, one on his own, wanders off okay the businessmen in the crowd that day they probably heard this and goes one percent loss we'll write that off on taxes i'm not going after that sheep okay 99 percent still good we're good so the businessmen are like we're good the religious people here and they're like tough for that sheep i mean he didn't follow the rules He shouldn't, I mean, the other 99 did the right thing. This one sheep, he should have followed the shepherd. He should have followed the rules Buy sheep. Sorry about you. You got to go. Okay, that's what the religious people probably thought. But Jesus goes to find the one lost sheep and he keeps seeking until he's found it. I was that lost sheep. I rejected God for years and years and years and he kept seeking, kept coming after me. You ever seen like a lost dog poster on a tree? I always think they kind of gave up. That's, that's When I see that, I think that's what they did. They're like, they looked in the backyard, they caught Fido out, out front, and they're like, ah, we'll put up a poster. Okay. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't go, he doesn't like look in the front yard for the sheep, look out, in the, ah, he's not here, I'll put up a poster and move on. No, okay. He keeps seeking, he keeps going until he finds. So Jesus doesn't give up like little Bo Peep. Okay, I don't know if you've read this uh, recently. She was kind of a terrible shepherd. Little Bo Peep has lost her sheep, and she doesn't know where to find them. Okay, that's happened in this story too. She leaves them alone, hoping that they'll come home, wagging their tails behind them. No, they're not. I hate to break it to the toddlers in our church upstairs, but little Bo's sheep are gone forever, okay? Sheep are dumb. They not, they're not going to find their way home. Those sheep are gone forever, Miss Peep. It's over, okay? You got to go and find sheep. They're dumb. They're, once they start wandering, they kind of keep going, and so Jesus, so I don't think I've ever realized that the shepherd leaves the other 99 sheep in the open country. You see that in verse four? They're not fenced in. He doesn't create a barbed wire fence. Okay, y'all stay here. I'll go. He leaves them in the quote, open country. You ever seen that? Okay, so the other 99 sheep, they're not fenced in. The, the other 99, they're not wanderers. That's what that means, okay? They have their stuff together. They followed the shepherd's instructions. They did what they were supposed to do. They listen they obey. But this one sheep, he's just a little extra. Anybody resonate with that little extra sheep? Okay. Um, How many parents are parenting that extra sheep? You're going to get to raise your hands. But the shepherd has 99 good sheep. He's got 99 rule followers and one troublemaker. But again, Jesus is showing us his heart. Don't miss Jesus's point. Jesus thinks that all the heartache And all the extra searching for that one troublemaker is worth it. That's his heart, for you, for your neighbors, for your family. And when the shepherd finally finds that one troublemaker, he doesn't make sheep stew for lunch, okay? He doesn't grab the troublemaker and drag him, and look at the other sheep, tell him what you did, tell him where you were. That's not what he does. He puts the sheep on his shoulders. He's so happy, throws a party, spends money, calls his neighbors and friends in, and they rejoice that the one troublemaking, wandering sheep has come home, okay? Jesus has built his kingdom with troublemakers. Peter had a terrible temper, you know that? Peter, one minute he's like full of faith, the next minute he's sinking in the water. He was super impulsive, okay? And Jesus started his church with Peter, okay? Matthew was a tax collector. I've already told you how hated he would have been. Uh, Thomas doubted when it mattered the most. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He was persecuting Christians and killing them, and then Jesus got him to write the, most, the majority of the New Testament, okay? Jesus loves to use broken people to display his glory. Moses said, I can't speak. Job said, I have no peace. David said, I am a worm. Isaiah I am a man of unclean lips. Elijah said, I have had enough, Lord. And God's like, those are my guys. That crew right there, okay. The prophet Isaiah also wrote that just like sheep, we too, we've all gone astray. We all resonate with this story in that way. And, you know, going astray doesn't sideline us from the mission forever. I know that. Going astray actually just kind of means you're a sheep. Just like all of us are, as Isaiah says. You know, you don't have to preach like Billy Graham to make a world-changing impact. You all know enough to change the city of Fort Worth. Jesus loves me, this I know. Now go. Uh, what makes heaven erupt with joy is when a person, a sinner, gets saved, as we say. They're lost. They repent, okay? And, and that word repent, so it's not just what... Heaven doesn't erupt when a person comes to church one time when a person attends a small group one time, they erupt when they repent. That means to turn from your way and to follow Jesus with all that you are, okay? And you know the thing about lost sheep is they really really don't even know they're lost. It's kind of sad when you think about it as people, right? They don't even know that they're lost. They're longing for home. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the story we see today of the lost sheep, Then he tells of the lost coin, and next week we'll look at the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. And there's something that resonates in the human soul about being lost. We feel that kind of deep in our bones, and so it is with people all over our city and all over our world. They feel in Ecclesiastes it says that we have a hole in our hearts, this eternal void that God put there. It's like a homing device. And so they're trying, to fill that home, they're trying to fill that hole in their heart with money and promotions and this and cars and all these things because they feel every lost person goes through this experience where they're like, "Ah, oh, I finally got what I want, but that didn't do it. And that's, that's pointing that they're trying to find home. That's why we say welcome home because God wants every single person in the world. He put that homing device there so that they would find him. And he wants us to be one of the avenues to bring them to him. So Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And so just like Jesus, we go out of our way so they can find rest, so they can find Jesus. We get to go. We get to go seeking and to find sheep and love them into God's kingdom where they really belong. So we get the thrill of being on mission. Jesus is the best. He is, you know, and We get to tell people about him. We get to imagine being lost. Remember that? You're lost, and you can't even put your finger on this desire for something more that's out there. And then somebody tells you about Jesus, and you come to Jesus, and you're like, oh! And there's people all around us that that they sense that there's something more, you know? As the band comes up, I'm not finished yet, so I don't, okay. Okay. But as the band comes up, here's the immediate good news for you this morning, okay? Jesus is a knucklehead chaser. He is, okay? In a room full of knuckleheads, that's that's really good news, okay? He cares about your problems. Not so that he can just make you smell better and look better, okay? Jesus doesn't just go around putting rose petals on problems and singing kubaya, okay? Instead, he gives us something better and deeper, longer lasting. He gives us hope. You know, uh, he takes away our shame. He gives us a reason to live that's bigger than ourselves. He doesn't just solve our problems. He makes our problems his own. Who can imagine a God like that? He sinks into our pain with us. He will hear the bad diagnosis sitting next to us, right? He'll sit with you as you binge watch YouTube because you think you're too depressed to do anything else. And you wake up the next day like, why did I do that again? He's with you in that. He's with you. He's with you. He cares. He loves us, and not some kind of empty love like in pop songs or rom-coms, okay? His is an ironclad love, love that won't leave you alone, even when you shove him away, love that won't go away. It's stubborn, immovable, rooted. Sometimes I wish that God would just kind of bundle up all of our problems and throw into like a black hole, and they're gone forever, you know? But he's too good for that, you know? Instead, he co-ops our problems. He, he takes the hurt and disappointment, all of our wondering, all of our me-centered actions, and he nails them to his own body. You know, you don't get lost on purpose. So maybe today, maybe you find, maybe you've been trying to kind of find yourself. You know, maybe uh, you've been aimless for a season. Sometimes we feel that way, even as Christians. Maybe you've been headed towards... What seems like a real goal, and then you get there, and it's like, that's not what I, you know, you ended up lost again. And so, maybe you find yourself a little lost today. Well, Jesus is the good shepherd, and he wants to lead you home. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes as we respond today. Maybe today you remember that you're a troublemaker. <laughs> it's good to remember being without Christ. Um, So respond with gratitude. Just pray a prayer of gratitude now. God, thank you for finding me and leading me home. I remember who I was, I remember what I was doing. Maybe you've wandered off. Maybe it's not just a a quick uh, jaunt away from God, but you've really gone astray. He wants to have you back home today. And then maybe a third category maybe uh, you don't know Jesus. And as, he's ta- as we're talking about being really lost, you're not, you haven't just wandered off the path. You've never been on the path with Jesus. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation.